0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Today we discuss potential trades for Evan Fournier and Obi Toppin. Could the Knicks net one of the best defensive players in basketball and what free agent should they go after? Perhaps a three point shooting center that's already been on the Knicks. I think you might know who I'm talking about. We'll get into all that and more right now on Locked On Knicks.
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Your team every day.
1: And I think we see Willis coming
0: out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes! Hubs left. Now fires it. And
1: he scores! And he scores! And he's scores! Anthony for
0: three. Bang! That one goes to back Puts up a three. Bang! Bang! Round right the left down the becomes infectious. Are locked on nicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Price picks First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricefix.com, promo code locked on. And we wanted to thank you for making locked on nicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So if you're already not if you're already not, if you're already not in every day or on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode. And uh, we're also available uh, wherever you get your podcast. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Greatest Knicks site in the whole wide world, The Strickland. Um, and Alex, we are continuing to answer people's questions. First one comes from a uh, close friend of the pod, Bugsy Sig at bugsy sig and he wants to know assuming evan and obi are most likely to be moved this offseason he typed that really efficiently what would you like to see in return in general or mark trades um with backup four third point guard reliable bench shooting in general new york's biggest offseason needs also what free agent should they target are barnes or harrison barnes or um jay crowder viable options uh alex what do you think on those
1: uh well so i guess we could break this down one part at a time right because it's sort of a two part question so first off evan and obi uh, most likely to be moved what would we like to see in return Uh, i go back and forth i mean it's tough you know i i feel like with evan fournier obviously he's just going to be used as matching salary at this point i mean for whatever trade the knicks would want to pull off if there even is a trade they want to pull off uh, what's lucky for the Knicks now is uh, based off how they set up Fournier's contract. This is the last guaranteed deal or guaranteed year of his deal, I should say. Uh, so they can use him as salary filler now, and it, it's not a multi-year commitment for some other team. Uh, some other team could also buy him out, you know, if they just want to uh, essentially eat his money for this year and and then have that space going forward, they can do that. Uh, so Maybe he appeals to some team in that regard, but I feel like that would be more of a, a deadline deal sort of thing. So I, I don't know necessarily if there's a move just to move off of Fournier that we would even see that during this offseason because expiring salaries become more valuable around the trade deadline when certain teams decide, like, okay, it's time to just punt the season and get ready for you know the uh, offseason and free agency and stuff. As far as Obi, like, I'm sure there are some teams out there that like him. I mean... I'll just throw one deal out there to start with, but like the Pacers always seem linked to OB for one reason or another. And the Knicks like Chris, Chris Duarte uh, of the Pacers that, you know, they were super into him on, on draft night. And then that obviously didn't come to be Duarte uh, had a pretty down second year, uh, all things considered, but I think he shot, like 36% overall or something, and like 33% from three, which is not fantastic, but uh, the Knicks were definitely into him. Similar profile to Obi, where he came in as a really old rookie, so they're both like 25 already, but you at least get one more year of team control with Duarte, which maybe the Knicks would be into. Uh, so that's a deal that I could see potentially being on the table. There also might be, I mean, if they just want to swap one problem for another, maybe they do Evan Fournier for Buddy Hield if they see something more in healed than they do in fournier though they when you and i were talking before the show you were like they're basically the same player i'm like yeah (laughs) more or less um so maybe that's one deal they consider but i guess my my overall hope for if the Knicks trade Obi would be that, that they could somehow get a draft pick in this draft to uh replace him or at least get a useful player back in exchange for him because he himself is a useful player that we got to see a lot of good stuff out of. And and I would prefer to replace that with someone who's
0: also good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think to that point, I can't help but watch. Um, I mean, one Knicks heat, but even more so heat Celtics and see how the heat have kind of, uh, took Duncan Robinson out of his basketball coffin and like scrubbed him back up, put some makeup on and said, All right, you're you're ready to go, buddy. And he's been like arguably maybe their third best offensive player in that series. And and again, not to not to resort to Tibbs bashing, but how a more creative coach could could maybe incorporate someone like Evan Fournier as as a movement shooter, because I, I think ideally you want to use Quentin Grimes in that role to some um aspect or another. And I think Grimes is maybe just a notch below being like quite that level of shooter yet. And maybe as soon as next year, like he approaches that level. And, and you could also argue that even Fournier is like a notch below on um, what Duncan Robinson is. But I, I think again, like a more interesting coach, like there would still be a usage and a role for Fournier and the Knicks. Um, I understand the argument that Fournier might even be more disinterested in defense. Like I, and I don't even want to apply that to Duncan because Duncan tries, but uh, just doesn't have the physical tools, which Fournier doesn't. And also this questionable effort there. So I'm talking myself out of it as we're doing this, Alex, Let, let's trade the guy. Um, San Antonio. Um, do they want a, a French buddy for Victor Wenbanyama? Um, maybe. I think that would be kind of a good way to help acclimate him into that organization, um, as somebody probably looked up to quite a bit growing up. Um, so my proposed trade there would be Evan in two seconds for Zach Collins. Um, that's, I think, presuming that they don't get Austin Reeves, which is someone I would say if I was running San Antonio, I would put all my eggs in. In that basket, as, as a young uh, two-guard who is a three-level scorer and can defend a bit, but let's just say they don't go that way. They want more shooting. They want an upgrade on a Doug McDermott-type guy, someone who could just pour in some points and has Victor Wembanyama protecting the rim behind him so you can survive defensively with him on the floor. Um, I think that would be interesting as far as Zach Collins for the Knicks. He's a guy who has been very injured throughout his NBA career, but because he came into the league when he's super young, he's still only 25 years old, um, shot it 37% from three, on over two attempts per game, uh, pretty efficient two-point score as well, 52% overall from the field. Last season was really his first substantial action in about uh, four years. So there's, I think, maybe a little bit untapped potential there, Alex. I don't know. I feel like you've always been into Zach Collins a little bit too.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's something there with him. It, the problem, of course, is just that he can't stay on the court. Yeah. Um, which, you know, maybe if he's just sort of your breaking case of emergency guy, uh behind Mitch and Hartenstein, then then you're doing okay anyway. Mm-hmm. Or potentially maybe Tibbs trusts him to be out there and in a two big lineup, uh, to provide a little bit of spacing. I don't know how real the, the shooting is with him, but I, I think he's a worthy flyer. I mean, if you're essentially just trading Evan Fournier, who doesn't play anyway, then who cares? You know, it's yeah, like and-
0: I was yeah. just gonna say this this is a world where you move off Obi Toppin in a separate trade, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but what go ahead. Okay. go <laughs> ahead.
1: I was gonna say there's another deal. I mean, that you could maybe try with the Spurs. I think I've seen my buddy Schwinn propose this a number of times. Maybe just go take the big swing and go after like Kelvin Johnson. I don't know exactly why the Spurs would do that. Like you you said that too, but uh I don't know, Fournier, Obi multiple picks for, for Kelden, maybe that gets it done. Like, he, was, he scored 22 points a game this past year. Like, is pretty efficient. I, I, again, it's, it's sort of a tough sell. Like, he also – he sort of fits perfectly with what the Knicks would want out of him, I think, where he can play a decent amount of three. Um, I don't know what that does as far as, like, R.J. Barrett, but, like, potentially moves – I guess, Grimes or RJ to the bench. Uh,
0: think, yeah, would you would you just not re-sign Hart in that scenario and have him as like a 3-4 hybrid, or how, how would you go about that?
1: I would probably not re-sign Hart. I mean, he would be like a better version, right? Now, granted, he he had an off-shooting year this year. It's tough to figure out like where he's at as far as three-point shooting. Um, I didn't watch enough Spurs to know for sure, but my theory would be that he had to self create a lot more this year. Makes sense which he wouldn't have to do as much on the Knicks, presumably being like the like third option behind um, Julius and, and Brunson. But like he went from five attempts or five and a half attempts per game from three shooting almost 40% last year uh, to six and a half attempts shooting like 33% this year. Uh, so maybe you kind of get him in a, a role where he's not having to create quite as much and, and that helps him. But yeah, it would it would make things complicated. I mean, maybe this even is just an opportunity where you end up uh, this turns into an RJ discussion of like, would you trade RJ for Kelvin Johnson? But um, you know, if you could if you could pull something off like that, where then you get Weminyama, his French mentor, you get Obi Toppin, you know, you finally like just rip the band-aid off and move off of him and trade some of those protected picks. Maybe the Spurs like going into full rebuild mode say, okay, this is better for our financial flexibility going forward and stuff like that it like cements that this is Weminyama's team going forward, you know, and and all that stuff. But I don't know. That's probably a pipe dream.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I guess the one other name I'd throw out real quick is, is uh, Jonathan Isaac. Um, Yeah. uh, Not, 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 not the biggest fan of him as a person, but as a player, I think there's still a world where he ends up being one of the three or four best defenders in the NBA. The lack of shooting doesn't really make sense, but you send Evan home to Orlando and that's a team that, desperately needs shooting. Maybe they find it in the draft. I kind of have a feeling they're going to try to package their picks, Alex, and like go all in for like a, a star level, like shooter. Like, I don't, I don't know, like if Bradley Beal's the guy for them or, or, or something like that. But if I were Orlando, that, that would be more where my head's at. But if they want to just make a lower level move on the margin they say, let's, let's bring in two more picks. Let's consolidate some of our point guards in a different trade and, and just get a starting shooting guard that can shoot the lights out. And we're going to put so much length around this guy with Bankero and front and Wendell Carter that it's it's gonna be fine. And then Evans six seven, so at least you're covering a lot of ground on the floor. I can see it making sense for them. And then for the Knicks, like I think Isaac is just a pure talent play at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, and I mean what he offers would be a perfect fit. You know, if if you're again, if you're looking to move off Obi in another trade, he's sort of like a more prototypical version of what you would want out of that like backup four where he can defend the rim a little bit, like very good defender. You hope the three point shot comes around, but you know, he has plenty of other skills too. Um of course it, it relies on Orlando being willing to move off of him too. Uh which you know it does it he finally came back from all those injuries and he did look pretty good. So that's the I guess the other thing too is yeah a bit big maybe as far as like his health going forward because I literally missed two years in a row uh with injury recently so or two plus years with injury which is crazy. Um so We'll see. We'll see how that how that comes together. There's also the other part of this question to address, though, which is the free agent part of it, which we'll get to in just a sec in our next segment. But first, we got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks right now has the $1 million daily Superflex promotion going on for the NBA playoffs and finals. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire. So one entry placed after 8 a.m. EST will be randomly selected each day. Whoever replace that entry will get a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks wins you a $1 million. Five correct picks wins you $80,000. And four correct picks wins you $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com million. And you must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. And how do you play the game like normal? Well, it's... It's pretty fun. It's my new favorite way to play Daily Fantasy. Uh, It's not you against a bunch of other players like in the past with Daily Fantasy. Instead, it's just you versus projected numbers. So prize pick sets over-unders for various players, various stats, and you say, okay, I think that uh, uh, Jason Tatum will get over 23 and a half points or whatever the, the line is set at. And then if he does that, then that part of your entry wins. And you do that all throughout your whole entry, uh, up to six picks at once. You can win up to twenty-five times your money on any given entry, and you can do mixed sport entries. So, like if you're a baseball fan and a basketball fan, you want to place an entry where you pick a couple, couple basketball uh, picks and a couple baseball picks. You could do that all in one entry as well, which is pretty fun. Uh, so, if you want to do that and maybe get in on that million-dollar competition as well, download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com. To sign up and play daily fantasy sports, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Gavin, we're back in to continue uh, with our buddy Bugsy Sig's question here. It was a bit much to cover in one segment because you're talking about trading away two guys first. And then also, you know, what should the Knicks be targeting in free agency or who should the Knicks be targeting in free agency? Um, Bugsy posited maybe a backup four, which would make sense if they move off of OB, Uh Potentially a third point guard, potentially some reliable bench shooting. Um, I guess maybe first we can address the two names that that Bugsy himself brought up in harrison barnes and jay crowder
0: yeah um I, I have no interest in jay crowder um i think yeah. he is washed i think he would have he would have played um for the bucks in the playoffs if he had any value in that type of setting and and he did not um so i think i'm i'm, I'm not particularly interested in that and let mention the
1: ego the ego yeah, too yeah
0: yeah i mean i look i don't know what was phoenix was such a as someone who's a fan of that team as well like they were such a mess. Like, I don't know what to believe in that situation with all the stuff that was going on with Aiton and like Monty Williams. Maybe, 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 maybe he had a case there, but I don't know. I I don't like with, with what the Knicks currently have. Like, I understand that the shooting is appealing, but he has always been such an inconsistent shooter in the playoffs and in bigger games. And his appeal has been that from like a toughness and like intangibles and, and physicality um, perspective, he, he was just good enough that you had to put him on the floor in in some form or fashion, but I I just I don't really believe in the shot enough. I know he shot it well last year over a small sample size in Milwaukee. That's great. Uh, not the guy I would go after. Harrison Barnes is a little bit more intriguing to me, Alex. But like, what, what what do you what do you see his role as being on the Knicks? Because to me, like he would be the kind of guy in a world where RJ didn't have a good playoffs and the Knicks were just kind of fed up and saying like, all right, we're gonna move off this guy. Like he would sort of be like you're starting three, you pull him a little bit early, you, you figure out a lineup, maybe it's Josh Harden there. And then you play him as your backup four as well. And and you get him up to close to 30 minutes a game like that. Um, as someone who's a much better shooter than RJ Barrett, lower usage. So allows guys like Grimes and quickly to have more of a role. That would make sense. But now that RJ's had the playoffs he's had um, and that, I don't think the Knicks are ultimately going to want to move off of Julius Randle and just play Barnes as a four. Like, I don't, totally see the fit there but i'm I'm, I'm open to talking about it because i like him as a player and i think in theory that's the type of guy you want if you're a knicks fan as you're for
1: yeah i think if they could somehow get him like i mean it's sort of bring it full circle a little bit like if you could work out a sign and trade where you trade like Obi and fournier for him to the kings uh and maybe like i don't know like second round pick or something or a couple second round picks like just to kind of grease the wheels there but if you could do something like that and bring him back and ex- almost exclusively play him as a backup four I feel like that would be the way that I would want to do it I just at this point and I mean I'm not gonna like pretend that I watched more of the Kings than I did this year but like I don't I I feel like he's just at a point in his career where I don't know that I would trust him as like your daily starting three just because or even just like a, a three in general just because of like defensive limitations like I don't know I think that he would probably be better served being a four at this point in his career and a backup and just come in, you know, make some threes hey, can and I, can
0: I just throw out do you do you think yeah. he's a worse defender than RJ is? Or are you are you saying like RJ at least like there's an upside there? Because I think I think I think, I think there's fine. an upside there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Barnes is like I don't think he's a bad defender. I think he's fine on that end of the floor.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I'm over over analyzing a little bit. Um but yeah, I, I do think – I think that RJ has more upside as a defender at this point, which we sort of saw in the playoffs where like he played a lot better on that end, and you hope that you get more out of that. Um, but I don't know. I feel like in general, like you're going to have Hart as well. So like if you bring in Barnes, I feel like – well, I'm assuming a lot that the Knicks are going to re-sign Hart, but it seems at this point that they're going to. So I feel like if you bring in Barnes, it should be under the impression that he'll probably end up playing – the four more often than not. And I'd be fine with that. I think he'd be good in that role. And I think he's a really good scorer Could give the Knicks some more creation to a little bit. Like if they need it, um, he hasn't had to play that role in a while. Like, but back when he was like on the Mavericks, for example, like he did a lot more shot creation for himself um, and does like have that capability if need be. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's kind of an interesting player. I mean, I wouldn't mind bringing him on, especially again, if, there's, if it's, they essentially already have Obi and Fournier like, out the door, then yeah, that's a pretty worthy swap to me. Yeah. Uh, but that brings us to another name that I think we're going to talk a little more in depth about coming up, Gavin, but Chris Asporzingis, we've already talked about him at least once. Probably going to come up a few more times. I think he there's a real case to be made for a potential reunion. I think there's, there's a lot to like about what his fit could be on this particular team.
0: Yeah, I think I think both these questions, like like Kim and Barnes are so interesting because the Knicks had something that really worked last year. Right. Like they got further than we all thought was possible. And on some level, you don't want to lose that. On another level, you're saying like, all right, like and it is kind of similar to the Tibbs discussion, and the Randall discussion, like you're going to have to gamble to take the next step. And there are people who I think very fairly argue like, all right, maybe you don't have to gamble because like maybe Quickly makes another leap, maybe RJ makes another leap, maybe Grimes makes another leap. And for the people who say, like, bring everyone back and just see what happens in a year from now with those guys before you do anything crazy. I'm down for that. I'm there with that. But I think outside of those guys, like I'm okay, like kind of moving the pieces around the chessboard. which is like, Alex, maybe we should just do a full episode on, on Josh Hart and the decision around him. Like, I think that's so interesting because to me, even like, if not in terms of role, right, that's sort of the salary slot that the Knicks can use to like play with getting someone like Chris Stapps for Zingas. And of course, like maybe, maybe there's another world where they say like, all right, we'll just move off of um, Obi OB Toppin and Evan Fournier and we'll like financially have room for Chris Tapps. But if you're paying Chris Tapps, like, I don't know, 23, 24 million dollars a year, like, like that. I think it clearly affects your ability to like extend quickly or extend grimes a year from now. Like at some point, like there has to be some kind of consolidation trade. If you're bringing in all these talents um, that being said, like I have no issue with bringing. uh, Okay. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. Um, I I think, I think it's a calculated risk to bring Chris Stapps Porzingis, given that he's exceptionally injury prone. Obviously last season was the first time he's played over 50 games in three seasons He it was the first time he's played over 60 games since his second year in the NBA on the New York Knicks. So that's a risk. I think his athleticism is undoubtedly um, significantly declined um, since he was um, on the Knicks. Like what I always look for with bigs in terms of that respect is block percentage. So I can just read out by year. He was 92nd percentile, 90th percentile, 97th, 85th, Seventieth, ninetieth, eighty-third, and then last season was was back down to seventy-six again. Maybe that rebounds, I doubt it. Um, his steal percentage was a little bit up, so that's a good sign. His rebounding was was fine last year; he was pretty in line with his career averages. The good news with him, um, his shooting accuracy was like pretty close to a career high, and that's because he really rebounded from three at points in Dallas. Alex, like his last thirty-four games there, he was terrible as a three-point shooter. He was only twenty-eight percent. Was all the way back up to thirty-nine percent. This year, so I, I say all that to say like he's not the same guy the Knicks had the last time he was here. Um, but the Knicks desperately need shooting, and if you get a guy who can again protect the rim and hit threes at the other end, like that is that is a unicorn to some respect. I guess my concern is like his health and like his continued ability to be like a dynamic rim protector and someone who can survive on the floor in the playoffs defensively. Um, But I think what he brings offensively makes up for that. I guess my big picture question is like, what is the cascade effect of that? Who ultimately has to move out of here bringing Chris Staps in?
1: I think it's probably Mitchell Robinson. Like, I think that if you're bringing him in, you're probably saying he's the new starting center. Hartenstein will back him up. Hartenstein then gives you that sort of different look. You know what I mean? Like the more Mitch-like look, ironically enough, uh, on defense, which was the role that he sort of played this year. Whereas Porzingis would give you more of that stretch role uh i will say you know like his rebounding numbers still are not super inspiring and yet like if you look at the on-offs and look at like the the advanced uh numbers that go with that like the his the wizard's rebounding percentage was higher with him on the floor than not Mm -hmm. which was good which is sort of a similar effect that uh, and again you know i didn't watch like a lot of porzingis this year to know this but like to it Reminds me a lot of what happens with Mitch, where he maybe doesn't always get the highest pure rebounding numbers, but at least is doing his job and boxing out and doing all that stuff and doing the dirty work. So if Porzingis is doing that at this point in his career, then that's really good. The health is obviously a concern. You would want to make sure you had a good support system behind him, uh, which you would with Hartenstein if you hold on to him. Um, And I I guess it would just be like Mitch goes to the Wizards in a sign and trade or you work out a three-teamer or something to make something work there. But there's there's not room for all three of those guys on that team. I don't think because Porzingis isn't – at this point, he's got to be a five. Like, he just – I don't think that he could be a four at this point. It was even questionable when he was, like, his young self on the Knicks if he had the foot speed to keep up with guys at the four. Uh, he definitely doesn't have that now. So, I, I don't think that that's viable at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd be into bringing him back. You know, I, I know it's kind of a weird, complex like legacy I guess we could call it that he has in with the Knicks the way that he like forced himself out and whatever but yeah. does seem like he's done a decent amount of growing up maybe seems like his older brother is a little less involved in his life at this point which is probably for the best for him uh and his professional life so we'll see maybe it's maybe uh, it's something could, could the Knicks imagine
0: to. Chris Stapps Porzingis winning a title on the Knicks after all that
1: uh, that would be crazy I'll I mean if <laughs> a, bi- a big three of of Porzingis coming back, Julius Randle like redeeming himself, and Jalen Brunson being like the savior to come in. I mean that would, that would be a pretty wild three to team up. But I mean, I could see it. That's the crazy part. Like I could see that really working out for them. Um, we still have a few more names we want to quickly get into, so we'll get to that in just a sec. A Couple more interesting free agent names to bring up, uh, as well as as well as talking about the incumbent Knicks. All right, and we're back to finish up this episode, Gavin. Uh, we're we're going to throw a few more names at the wall and see what sticks as far as free agents. Uh, these are a few that you wrote down, but I actually really – I'm going to steal this one because I like it. I it. Uh, Alec Burks, pretty intriguing name to look at him back. Like, I, I think the Knicks should look at him. I, I You know, honestly, there was never anything wrong with Alec Burks on the Knicks to begin with. It was more just how Tibbs utilized him. Luckily, I don't think we have to worry anymore about Tibbs using him as a point guard. Um, Although, like knock on wood, you know you never know. But as long as the Knicks used him as a wing and you know brought him off the bench and uh, used him in that capacity, I mean, he was so good with quickly off the bench uh, as like a creator and a scorer. You know, uh, when I say creator, I mean more like the self creation. Like he's so good at generating his own shot, so good at. Self-generated three-pointers and stuff like that, which the Knicks sorely, sorely needed against the Heat, which we'll talk about as far as their bench in a second as well. But I think he would be a perfect fit to bring back. Like you want to talk about uh, fun reunions the Knicks could have? I I feel like Burks, if you could figure out a deal where you give him like the full mid-level exception this offseason, he's you know good with that as far as a number for himself, which I think he would be because it's still a pay raise on what he was getting paid, like. I'd say go for it. I I really would love the idea of bringing Burks back.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it's interesting. I mean, is where the Knicks found all this success last year by consolidating. Do you look at that as like an inherent reflection on the fact that they were only playing eight or nine guys, and mostly nine guys, or do you look at it as like they just didn't have the right tenth guy? So Burks would be like if you wanted to do a full line change, right? Because then you're looking at a backup unit of of quickly Burks Hart. Uh, OB or power forward to be named later and I heart, which I'm, I'm totally cool with, but Burks, I think would come in knowing like that this is going to be a smaller role. There's a chance that during the playoffs, like he doesn't play, or there's a world where again, Josh Hart is, is for his lack of shooting, like a little bit less playable come playoff time. And Burks is getting more of those minutes and slotting in with the starting lineup. And if, if there's an injury, he's playing more. I think my only hesitation would be if I'm the Knicks, you're already trying to find those extra minutes to st- sneak quickly into the starting lineup right and inherently that means one of rj or grimes is going to be playing more with the bench unit if you have burks in there then you like that gets kind of trickier to fit all those guys in. so again that it feels like more like an alternate decision to me if josh hart is um no longer on the team or if the knicks do ultimately include either quickly or rj in a trade package this summer then i would love to bring back burks if everything is as is I think he would be great. I'm just not sure if there's enough of a role for him to justify coming over. But to your point, just in terms of like a type of player, like he's he's almost exactly what the Knicks need at a very low cost, 41% from three to your points of creation, 31 years old. But I feel like he's still going to be able to hoop at like 45. Um, he So he, he would be great. But I, I think there are a couple of important caveats there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's going to be the thing with the Knicks this whole off season is like, well, yeah. you just had a pretty crowded nine-man rotation that you took into the playoffs. And like, it worked to many degrees, but you also have to improve it somehow. So, like, even if you want all these guys to come back and still get minutes, like, that's not going to be able to happen. Something's going to have to change. Because if you want to get better, there has to be some change somewhere. And that's that's where the hard yeah. hard questions, hard decisions come into play. Um, Yeah, but a, another name that we have on the list here that I, I think could be intriguing, again, if you're looking at potentially moving off of Mitchell Robinson, or I guess Isaiah Hartenstein in this case, like, Due to the age of this particular guy and what his role might be, Brooke Lopez uh, as a shooter rim protector. I mean, obviously, he was a defensive player of the year candidate this year uh, with Milwaukee, like, had himself a a fantastic year. Is really, I still, I just, (laughs) I can't wrap my brain around how his career arc has gone, where he started his career as a no defense post scoring big for the Nets and now at this late stage in his career has become a defensive player of the year candidate that basically just shoots threes <laughs> like yeah I totally totally mind boggling and yet- ask,
0: can you remember like a player transforming more over the course of their career this year it's it's on both ends of the floor he's the exact yeah. opposite of what he was and to be clear Like not in a way like, like, because you hear like someone like a PJ Tucker be like, oh, I had to mature, I had to figure some stuff out. And then Mm -hmm. he came back and was like great down the stretch of his career. Brook, I think is literally the Nets all time leading scorer. So someone who's immensely successful one way, and then had the ability and like, give him credit, like the self awareness beyond just the talent to be like, I need to totally flip who I am to stay in the modern NBA. And he's been, he's had two different great careers as two different players.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. The only guy I can think of maybe are like two guys, but they were more like age related. You know, it's just sort of like they did what they had to do to survive it would be like Jason Kidd and like Vince Carter, maybe, Yeah, you know, where they, they were super dynamic players in their prime and then just kind of transitioned into being three point shooters down the stretch of their career. But like,
0: but that's with Lopez like the amazing he's yeah. just as good. It's just in a different yeah, way.
1: Exactly. Like he he's, he's still in a prime, you yeah. know, like in, in his own version of a prime right now, but just in a completely different way than when he was like 23. It's just, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the, the transition happened like almost overnight too. I feel like, like it was yeah, just he's like, like, he's
0: like, All right, I'm going to be this guy now. <laughs>
1: yeah. He just, he just woke up was like, you know what defense let's do that. And I'll just shoot threes. And then I can play lots of defense and cool. But yeah, I think he could be a good look for the Knicks. Like, you know, maybe that's a guy that you could look at that if you could pull off a, a sign and trade, uh perhaps In that case, you would have to look at like moving Hartenstein or something. Like if Milwaukee would look at Hartenstein and say, he's younger, maybe a little more versatile, you know, for what we want to do going forward. New coach there, obviously. So there might be a little bit of a changing of the guard, but, um, you know, maybe you do Hartenstein for Lopez and then Lopez can back up Mitch and actually give you what you were thinking with Hartenstein last year, which is a legitimate stretch five to come off the bench for a different look. Um, albeit with a lower, uh, potential, like more miles on it on his wheels and, you know, less chance of being around for the long term. Uh, obviously, because Lopez is now pushing 15 years in the league or something like that. So, you know, it, you kind of, weigh that but I, I think just from a pure basketball fit perspective he could be really good there's some other guys too i some of these other names you know like there's i guess two two more guys left on our list here that we had written down uh, it like this is where it gets a little more dicey i feel like like for example draymond green if you can try to lure him away from the warriors i feel like that's sort of like a less appealing version of what you could potentially get out of brooke lopez but am i off base there like am i underrating draymond at
0: this point or yeah,
1: is that about right?
0: Well, I think he's I think he's less appealing only in terms of fit. I think he he's he's an equally good, if not, I would prop. I don't know, a equally good, if not better, player. Um, but the context makes so much less sense than Brook Lopez does because the Knicks desperately need shooting. Draymond uh, has, has not been able to shoot for about nine seasons now, so uh, I think you can almost wipe him off the board right away. Unless if you were the Knicks and you wanted to completely retrofit your roster and you wanted to like like you would need to it would need to be some kind of sign and trade where you you move like double sign and trade like I don't even know how this works under the cap but you move Mitchell Robinson to Golden State you bring Draymond in you maybe make like Hartenstein like I don't know if he's your starting center but like you rotate between those two starting at center and like Draymond is a part-time starter like I the, the, the appeal for Draymond is that he is he is a genius defensive player and he would like up everyone's communication as good as the Knicks were in the postseason at that end, like maybe would even take them to another level. And I think if you play him with like very shooting heavy lineups, like I almost think Draymond would be the move, Alex, if you made like separate trades where you, you brought in Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and you got off of Julius Randle somehow. So it's, it's almost like too many different machinations. But the only thing like circling back on Lopez, like where it might be more realistic is like, I don't think there's a world Will Milwaukee gives up on Lopez, like without a fight, like he is just, he is again, like the reason I think they want a title almost more than anything else is like, if you were to draw in a lab, like a center to play with Giannis, it is Brooke Lopez at this point, or pretty close to maybe someone like Jaron Jackson Jr. But you get my point. Um, So maybe Draymond is more attainable if Colton State decides they don't want to like throw all the, like, again, a record amount of money into a team that's failing slightly, but you, you would take so many steps to make Draymond fit. Someone who I think would be a very natural fit and more in the Harrison Barnes role, Alex, but a lot younger is, is Kyle Kuzma. Um, but again, that's a guy you have to commit a lot of money to. What's your level of intrigue in him?
1: Yeah, I think between the money and just the... oh, I don't know. I guess maybe this is a little harsh, but like his view of himself and what his role would be, I don't know that I would want to bring on Kyle Kuzma. I kind of feel like he would just end up being like like a lot of the worst traits of Julius Randle that we like don't like as far as like hijacking the offense and things of that nature it would just be more of that and that's not super appealing to me. Um granted, you know, he's clearly super talented. Um you know, he I actually don't know what his, his final numbers are. 21 points this year, I mean, really solid, but I think that we sort of saw with him and with Porzingis and Bradley Beal, it's like you had these three guys on one team now granted part of it was that they couldn't all stay healthy at the same time and yet you had that like on paper really good collection of talent and they were like were they weren't they almost like ten games under 500 like I, they were well, just
0: they, they, they missed the playoffs we can say that
1: yeah they they certainly missed the playoffs and like it just i don't I don't really see it with Kuzma. every time I watch him I kind of just think like <laughs> again I don't want to be too harsh but like I almost look at his game and I'm like, you're sort of like a bigger version of like J.R. Smith. Like, I, I just don't particularly love his style of of basketball, particularly if you were going to bring him onto a Knicks team and have him be on the same team as Julius Randle. I feel like that just becomes so redundant. And I, I think I'd be totally fine with with passing on him, even if the Knicks had an avenue to make a deal happen where they could trade like, like OB, like let's say the same deal like OB Fournier and like a couple picks or something and then do like a sign in and trade type deal. I think I would probably pass just because I feel like that would they would create more questions than answered if you bring on Kuzman and still hold on to Julius Randall.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm with you. He would he would be a Randall replacement, not Randall and like but to your point, like he he would almost be a lesser version of Randall. And so like he was more appealing to me like earlier in the season when he was looked like he was like all right is this guy becoming a forty percent three point shooter on high volume like like that version of him like pretty interesting. But he kind of tanked down the season. Has never really like been like, he's always been a good shooter, not a great shooter. Um, slightly appealing in that respect alone. But outside of that, like I would take almost every other aspect of Randall's game uh, over his. So I'm, I'm I'm with you there. And on that note, uh, we can wrap this one up. But we'll be back uh, later this week answering. Uh, More of your questions, um, including um, some talks of a star trade, uh, maybe trading for the number three pick in the draft, um, why the Knicks bench fell off against the Miami Heat. Um, So all that more to look forward to down the road. But until then, this has been Locked on Knicks. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.